This is Life Change Church in Muskegon, Michigan. Welcome to our podcast. Thank you for giving us your ears while you mow the lawn, kayak, do the dishes, or sit with the knitting circle. Watch us on Facebook Live Sunday mornings at 9.30 or subscribe to the weekly podcast at mylifechangechurch.tv. This is Pastor Ron Rands. Well, thank you for joining with us. Today I'm going to be talking about a subject called divine discontent, kind of uh, going off of last week, a message about not being frustrated. So we're going to be talking about having a, a discontent inside of our spirit versus last week we talked about having a discontent or a frustration in our flesh. But before we get to there, I want to talk about an exciting announcement. And that announcement, as you can see, is going to be in June 7. We're going to be opening up our services, and there's a lot of guidelines and some directions that you'll be seeing online, and we'll be giving you some direction too. But I want to share with you uh, some things that, if I could, from my own heart. Uh, We've been meeting as leaders and been in prayer with the staff and with the elders uh, over this particular time of wanting to gather together. And if I could read uh, two scriptures to you, and I'm not asking you to turn there. I'd like you to turn to Daniel, the book of Daniel, if you could. But First Chronicles chapter 12, verse 32, from the tribe of Issachar, there were 200 leaders of the tribe with their relatives. All these men understood the signs of the times and knew the best course of Israel to take. We need to have that same wisdom of the God's spirit inside of us to know the time and the season in which we live so that the best course the church can take. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23 Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promise. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect, this is where I really want to hit on, let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Jesus is nearer than the hour, obviously, thousands of years ago when this was inspired of God to be recorded. And we are in a a time, like unprecedented time, in fact, uh, we have our own Atlantis in mid-Michigan right now, uh, and, you know, people are suffering, there are storms, there are signs of physical uh, things that are going on, there are, we're having viruses, we're having all these things that are going on. The Bible says very clearly that these would be those things, those symptoms of his return. And we got to be, we have to understand, this is not God's will for mankind. But what had happened is the Bible would record that God would allow these things to transpire because there's chaos. And today we're going to be talking about chaos, where sin is ruling our lives or our governments or any scenario in life when, there is, when God is not on his throne ruling, chaos is sure to come. The Bible is recorded over and over these scenarios. Judgment always comes on a land, on a people, when God is not the king. Whether it's in our own hearts, or whether it's in our own homes, or whether it's in our own schools, or whether it's in our own uh, governments, it is always that scenario. And today we're going to be talking about that divine discontent. 
I believe that God is moving and awakening the church so the church would awaken to a time where we're no longer finding ourselves in a suppressed position, but we are beginning to start seeing ourselves as the leaders that God has called us to be, whether it is in our homes, whether it is in our governments, whether it is and going to be in our, our, our hospitals. We have got to stop being suppressed. We have the anointing, the power of God. People in this world are looking today for answers. The church is not to go over there and be so passive and Myself included, I'm not pointing my finger at anybody else other than I got four fingers pointing at myself. And so today I want to uh, talk for, in reference the book of Daniel. And you know, I, I will say this um, from a humble uh, picture. When I read the Bible, many times I see these uh, great inspired authors and I look at them as always like prophets or priests. But you know, Daniel was just an administrative leader and God used him in a prophetic position and I think so many times we're going, oh, well, I'm not a pastor or, or, or I'm not a lay leader or whatever. And, we, and so we become passive because we think, well, that's your job. No, it's God is put in position, every single one of us, to show his glory. That's his whole plan. In fact, if we can keep it simple, God's plan has always been this. His desire is to, to do whatever his word is, to describe his plan on earth is simple in concept. He's the father of all creation. He is daddy, our father who are in heaven. That's as simple as it can be. But so many times mankind has complex the situation and chaos is sure to follow. We can read that from Genesis chapter 3. We're not even in the third chapter of the book of beginnings and chaos is already in play because man takes God off that position. And God allows it, that's what we call. We have that freedom, that liberty to make those mistakes and God allows these scenarios so that we would return to him. The passion that God has is that we be his kids and we'd be in love with him, that he would be the king over our lives. So we're gonna reference the book of Daniel and, and remember Romans chapter 15, four is a passage ever since this whole COVID thing has been going on is a passage that's been coming alive every single weekend. I make reference to it. I'm going to again say it again. Romans 15, 4. Such things were written in scriptures long ago to teach us. And the scriptures give us hope and encouragement as we wait patiently for God's promises to be fulfilled. So let's break down before we jump in and hopefully you're already in the book of Daniel or you can try to follow along online with us. Daniel is 600 years BC before Christ. He is, um, he is in captivity and we start from Daniel being a young man in chapter one, Daniel chapter one, all the way through Daniel chapter six through chapter 12, he is now 80 years old. In fact, the first six chapters of Daniel are written over this period of time of, of approximately 60 years of Daniel's life. But chapters 7 through 12 are written about one year. Every prophetic thing, everything that God's beginning to give him a design about the future and the plans that God has, that prophetic design, the dreams and everything that Daniel has from chapter 7 to 12 are all recorded in one year. And so many times when we read the Bible, we're not taking apart this thing because we are chronological people and say, all right, this is this generational time in my life and then this is gener... We, we even separate it from a time you know, in school to a time before marriage to a time after marriage to a time with the kids to the time when the kids are... We break it all apart and we don't really realize that the scripture is not breaking apart or broken apart like we break it apart 
God can do, he'll, he'll read six chapters, half the book of Daniel over one year, and then 60 years recorded in the other six chapters. So let's break this down. What is the perspective? God has an inspired truth through this administrative leader, how God positioned Daniel in that era of captivity to show who he is. God is positioning you in this time period as a, either to be a son of Issachar so that we can make that choice, so we could express and show who God is. Before you go, I get there, I want to show you, um, tell you a funny story. Because sometimes we, are, uh, we, we get ahead of ourselves and we don't put God on the throne, obviously. Uh, in this case, it's not really God being on the throne, but it's knowing somebody that knows what they're doing. We have so many people doing it yourself with the flood that's going on and, and, and all of the things that we're uh, homemakers. And I, I'm a, a do-it-yourselfer myself. I, I'm not afraid to try anything. So I'm going to tell you a funny story about a plumbing situation. Uh, just that happened this week. Um, I'm doing it yourself again because of the water and everything else. I'm, I'm trying to fix uh, some actual leaking and moving. And I, I have a, a pump. A sewage pump. Then you guys already know where we're going with this. All right. So I have a sewage pump. And I, I, basically what I did is I rerouted this um, water line, thinking that uh, this sink would drain in this different area. And uh, I I'd unplugged the sewage pump. Didn't, I forgot I had unplugged the sewage pump. And uh, anyway, and I'd also had redone some breakers and stuff. And so um, I'm trying to flush the toilet and, and the toilet's not flushing. Of course, my do-it-yourself thinking goes, well, there's got to be something wrong with the sewage thing. And, and uh, so I go over there and look. And, and then I look at the breakers and go, oh, all the breakers are on. Well, maybe my pump's broken. And I, I follow the cord and I grab the cord and I go, it's not plugged in. <laughs> Plug that thing in. And I got a stream of poo. Going all the way from the thing straight to the ceiling. I look at my wife. I start laughing because I can either cry or I can laugh. And my wife just, she's mad. She's not, she's not thinking, she's not thinking it's funny at all because she had just completely cleaned this whole area. And I have got, and, and the only thing is, is we're thinking that, uh, you know, of course your mind goes, who was the last one to use the bathroom? <laughs> your mind goes there. Your mind shouldn't even go there, but your mind goes there. And of course, that's our youngest son. But anyway, the, the point of it is, is we, we go in these places we don't want to go and we laugh. But I look at this and they go, there's a reason why there's master plumbers and there's do-it-yourselfers. I am not a master plumber. You know, let me tell you something. God wants to be the master of your life. And you're going to get poo all over your life if you don't let him master it. Amen? Literally, you're going to get poo all over your life if you don't let him be the master of your life. Number one, and I want to talk about divine discontent. I hope you guys take notes because I believe the Spirit of God has got a word for this day, for this hour, and he's going to be moving in the weeks and the months to come for his design. Number one, divine discontent. We're not talking about you're frustrated with the government. We're not talking about you frustrated because you can't open your business. We're not talking about you're frustrated because you can't get out of the house. We're not talking about your frustration whether you like a mask or don't like a mask. We're not talking about these physical frustration. We're talking about something from the inside side that God is working. He is working his plan and design on the inside. We got to stop letting life implode us. We got to start exploding with who God is on the inside. Divine discontent will show you who the king is in your life. When all that poo is going on in my own life, I can, you know, I tell you something, what comes out of my mouth next can tell you who's the ruler in my life. We got to be able to recognize who is king in our life. Daniel Followed the dis divine discontent. He is one year. And I'm going to tell you something. He is a young man. So I would say to our youth pastor, Pastor Jenna, 
Here we have this young man. He's in his teens. He is one year in his new life. He has been ripped out of his family. He's been ripped out of his worship center. He's been ripped out of his teaching. He's learning a new language. He's in a new place to live. He's been ripped out of his manhood. All of the things that are going on. And yet Daniel still finds himself in God's word and following God's word. He's founded. And where did he get that from? Because he's not being taught that. He's not being trained that. It's because of what's going on the inside. He's allowing God's word to come alive in his life. He is asked to eat these delicacies. And I don't know of too many young men that wouldn't devour these delicacies. I don't know too many young men that would say no and just say yes to vegetation. But that's what Daniel does because of God's word. He listens to what God is saying on the inside. Brothers, sisters of Christ, we need to start listening to what God is saying in this time. Like the sons of Issachar, listening to what God is saying on the inside of our life. Daniel 1.8 records this. But Daniel was determined not to defile himself by eating the food and the wine given to them by the king. He asked the chief of staff for permission not to eat these unacceptable foods. How do we know that what Daniel's doing? In Leviticus chapter 17, 10, there's a record somewhere in Daniel's training as a young man. Someone had passed it on, whether it was a mentor, whether it was a parent, whatever it is, but some, the message of God's word was brought to him and it literally inscribed a design inside of Daniel's heart. And Leviticus 17, 10 records this. And if any native Israelite or foreign or living among you eats or drinks blood, in any form, I will turn against that person and cut him off from the community of your people. For the life of the body is in the blood. I have given you the blood on the altar to purify you, making you right with the Lord. It is the blood given in exchange for a life that makes purification possible. That is why I have said to the people of Israel, you must never eat or drink blood, neither you nor the foreigners living amongst you. So Daniel knew from a young man, from his training on the inside, he listened on the inside, he goes, those delicacies, that meat with blood in there, I am not to eat. And so he makes this choice to listen not so much to what's going on on the outside, not the pressures of what's going on the outside, but to listen to the Spirit of God on the inside of his life. What truths is God's word making you alive on the inside? What are you listening to on the inside of your life versus the pressures on the outside that want you to respond inappropriately? Number two, divine discontent will show others who is king in your life. So the first one is, it'll show who is king in your life. First of all, is God's word king in your life? And number two is it's gonna show others who is king in your life. God is the ruler of this world and he's positioning his people to show his rule. Are you in position to show his rule or another rule? It's recorded in Daniel chapter two, verse 17. Then Daniel went home and told his friends. Now what had just happened is he's Daniel's one year in training. According to the word of God, Nebuchadnezzar, who held, these, held all these nations captive, would get all these wise young men from these different nations. And then what he would do is he would take them into captivity and he would retrain them. 
And we know that the, he would give them their own, his own foods. We know that he would go over them, get them their own school. So Daniel's only one year in his three-year training. So what that means to us is that Daniel would have never been in position to talk to Nebuchadnezzar. He hadn't been trained yet. He hasn't had his three-year training. He wouldn't even have had a voice. Yet God is moving upon Daniel because Daniel's so true to God. The divine discontent in, in his heart is so true that Daniel, here he is one year in training, gets positioned to get in front of Nebuchadnezzar. Verse 17, then Daniel went home because Nebuchadnezzar has a dream. And in this dream, um, he wants uh, interpretation. So he goes to his wise men. He doesn't go to Daniel because Daniel hasn't been trained. He's not even three years. He doesn't go. So what he, go, what he does is he goes to his, the wise men that have already been in his training. And he says, look, tell me what the dream is. Tell me the interpretation. And these wise men say, well, nobody can do that. Nobody can do that. That's impossible to do that. What you're asking for. And Nebuchadnezzar, out of rage, says, if you don't do this, you're all going to die. Including those who have Daniel, who hasn't even come out of training yet. You're all going to die. And so Daniel gets word of this, that he's going to die for something he doesn't even have a voice for. But God positions Daniel to have a voice. I believe that this is the era of time where God's going to position all of us if we will allow his divine discontent to have a voice for him. Not a voice for you, a voice for God. So what happens in Daniel chapter 2, verse 17, he goes to his friends, Hananiah, Michelle, and Azariah. You know them as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. In verse 18, he says, He urged them to ask the God of heaven to show them his mercy by telling them the secret so they would not be executed along with the wise men of Babylon. That night, the secret was revealed to Daniel in a vision. Then Daniel praised the God of heaven. He said, Praise God, the God forever and ever, for he has all wisdom and power. He controls the course of the world events. He removes kings and sets up other kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to the scholars. He reveals deep and mysterious things, and knows what lies hidden in darkness, though he is surrounded by light. I thank and praise you, God of my ancestors, for you have given me wisdom and strength. You have told me what we asked of you and revealed to us what the king demanded. Then Daniel went to see Arioch, whom the king had ordered to execute the wise men of Babylon. Daniel said to him, don't kill the wise men. Take me to this king, and I will tell him the meaning of his dream. Now I'm going to jump down to verse 47. King said to Daniel, this is after Daniel tells him the meaning of the dream, truly your God is the greatest of gods. The Lord over kings, a revealer of mysteries, for you have been able to reveal the secret. Then the king appointed Daniel to a high position, gave him many valuable gifts. He made Daniel ruler over the, over the whole province of Babylon as well as chief over all his wise men. At Daniel's request, the king appointed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to be in charge of all the affairs of the province of Babylon while Daniel remained king's court. I believe God, again, is positioning us in this hour. You've got to remember, Daniel is a teenager now. He's a teenager, and he's allowing God's spirit to work, his discontent to work inside him, and he's, Lord, here am I. Number three, divine discontent shows us the future. There's so much God wants to bring in and through our lives. Shows us the future. In Daniel chapter 4 verse 18, now some 20 years have passed. Again, you're reading Daniel 1, 2, and 3. Now Daniel's still a young man. Now 20 years have passed. We're in chapter 4. 
So now he's close to 40 years old, 30, he's late 30s, 40 years old. Daniel 4 verse 18, Belshazzar, that was the dream that I had, King Nebuchadnezzar had. Now tell me what it means, for none of us, the wise men of my kingdom, can do so. But you can tell me because the spirit of the holy God is in you. Upon hearing this, Daniel, also known as Belshazzar, was overcome for a time, frightened by the meaning of the dream. Then the king said to him, Belshazzar, don't be alarmed by the dream and what it means. Belshazzar replied, I wish the events foreshadowed in this dream would happen to your enemy, my Lord, and not to you. Jump down to verse 27. King Nebuchadnezzar, please accept my advice. Stop sinning. Do what is right. Break from your wicked past and be merciful to the poor. Perhaps then you will continue to prosper. Verse 28. But all these things that happened to King Nebuchadnezzar, 12 months later, he was taking a walk on the flat roof of the royal palace in Babylon as he looked out across the city. Now remember, the message today is about divine discontent. And the simple thing is this, is God is the father of all creation and he is the king of all. And we must always either position, we have to position our own hearts and our families, our marriage, our, our children, our finances. He is king. Now watch what Nebuchadnezzar does. He's warned, look, you're sinning. What is he sinning in? He's not giving God his glory. He's not giving God first in his life. He's literally looking at it. Look what I've done. Look what I've done. Verse 30 records, as he looked out across the city, he said, look at this great city of Babylon. By my own mighty power, I have built this beautiful city as my own royal residence to display my majestic splendor. Here comes the chaos. While these words were still in his mouth, a voice called down from heaven, O King Nebuchadnezzar, this message is for you. You no longer are ruler of this kingdom. Number four, divine discontent senses urgency of the time, the awakening. Can you feel it, people? There's an urgency. There's an awakening. There are so, there, I'm talking to so many saints some of them leaders in other churches, some of them just other brothers and sisters, and there's this urgency that many of us are feeling. There's an awakening. There's an awareness of God. Daniel records this in chapter 5, verse 20. Now remember, Daniel now is an older man. Verse 20, but when his Nebuchadnezzar heart and mind were puffed up with arrogance. Now this is recording again. He was brought down his royal throne and stripped of his glory. So now we have a new, uh, basically a grandchild that's in rulership, Belshazzar. He was driven from his, in, I'm sorry, let me just slow down. Belshazzar is now ruling this kingdom and he's partying. And Daniel responds to him and says, look, did you not learn about the seven years of your forefather, your patriarch? Did you not learn the, the, the directive that went through his life when he did not give glory to God? Look what you're doing now. You are not giving glory to God. And this hand, while this Belshazzar is the ruler, it says this hand starts writing on the wall, meaning, meaning, tickle, tickle. It goes over there and says, basically, we'll give the meaning of that in just a moment. And he's so afraid. And what does he turn to? He says, I got to find out what this means. He turns to Daniel. Verse 21. And Daniel is now 80 years old at this time. He was driven from human society. Nebuchadnezzar was. He was given the mind of a wild animal. And he lived among the wild donkeys. 
He ate grass like a cow, and he was drenched with the dew of heaven till he learned that the Most High God rules. Again, keeping it simple, God must be the ruler and the king of creation over the kingdoms of the world and appoints anyone he desires to rule. You are his successor, Belshazzar, and you knew all this, yet you have not humbled yourself. For you have proudly defied the Lord of heaven and have held these cups from his temple brought before you. You and your nobles and your wives and your concubines have been drinking wine from them while praising gods of silver, gold, bronze, iron, wood, and stone. Gods that neither see nor hear nor, nor know anything at all. But you have not honored the God who gives you the breath of life and controlled your destiny. So God has sent his hand to write this message. This is the message that was written. Meeny, meeny, tekel, parson. This is what these words mean. Meaning means numbered. God has numbered your days of your reign and has brought it to an end. Tikkun means weighed. You have been weighed in the balance and found not to measure up. Parson means divided. Your kingdom has been divided and given to the Medes and Persians. I don't want that hand on the wall coming out. I don't want to be going over there and being found wanting because I didn't follow the discontent of God's word inside of my life. When I read God's word, when you read God's word, is it alive? Is it moving? Is it active? Is it the inspiration? Is it the breath of God in your lungs? Number five, dis- divine discontent has no retirement. I'm getting to that point now where my mind begins to think, well, you know, I, I'd like to slow down. I'd like to think about maybe uh, the next phase of my life being less or that word retirement. But divine discontent has no retirement until heaven opens its arms. He is in his 80s, and this brings the next six chapters of Daniel in his life. And we've got to remember that Daniel, now in chapter 6, is where I want to get to, and we're going to close on Daniel chapter 6. He's thrown in the lion's den. Many people know the history of Daniel because of the lion's den. Well, we're going to get to that in a moment. It's not a picture like we always see painted of this young man that has got these lines around him and he's petting them. Daniel's 80 years old. He is, the Bible said, thrown in to this lion's den. This begins to platform Daniel's life. I think so many of us want life to be easier. I do. I'm not, I mean, if I'm being honest, my flesh wants it easier to be more at rest. But if we recognize God's word is truth. The Bible says work out, work out salvation. Work out his truth. Fight the good fight of faith. That there is going to be pressures of this world, pressures of life that are going to be contradictory to the design and plan to the, the very word of God in our hearts. Will we allow his word to be more alive than the pressures of this world? Daniel chapter 6 records Again, a man in his 80s. Darius the Mede, a new leader. Daniel's gone through three leaders so far in the process of 60 years of being an administrator. Darius the Mede decided to divide the kingdom into 120 provinces and he appointed the high officer to rule over each province. The king also chose Daniel and two, other, two others as administrators to supervise the high officers and protect the king's interests. Daniel soon proved himself more capable than all other administrators and high officers. Why? Because there's God's divine discontent. He's wise. The wisdom of God is in his heart. Because of Daniel's great ability, the king made plans to place him over the entire empire. 
Then the, all the other administrators and high officers began searching for some fault in the way Daniel was handling government affairs. You will find people trying to find fault when God is moving inside of your life. But they, wouldn't find, they couldn't find anything to criticize or condemn. Now listen, I pray these things could be in our hearts. He was faithful. He was always responsible and completely trustworthy. So they concluded our only chance of finding grounds for accusing Daniel would be in connection with the rules of his religion. May that be said of us that the only thing people could find fault in our lives is because of what we believed. Not because of the way we acted in the world. Not because we're getting angry at our government or getting angry at our workplace or getting angry at the people that the way they're acting. That we would be faultless in those areas but they would find fault because of what we believe God's promises and those promises were alive in our hearts. Which leads me to number six. Divine discontent shows the world and their leaders who's really in charge of this world. Verse 19 through 26, we're going to end on this. Very early the next morning, the king got up, hurried out to the lion's den. Now remember, they conspired because they hated Daniel. Daniel they couldn't find any fault with, but they could find fault with what he believed. And so they, they conspired to tell the king, make a rule so that you can't pray, so that you can't worship anybody besides the king's um, God. And Daniel's, Daniel's going to follow who God is in his hearts. He's going to follow who God is. And as he follows who God is, he's gonna, he is going to gather, he's going to worship, he's going to praise, he is not going to be suppressed, he's going to show everyone who God is in his life not as something to to be as a braggadocious of who Daniel is but as a bragging of who God is in his life he's got what does Daniel have to prove he's 80 some years old he's been through 60 some years of administration he knows who God is in his own heart God is king he has shown the, those rulers around him who is king now he's showing all his peers who is king and now again he's underneath a different kingdom. The Medes and the Persians now have conquered Babylon. And now it's like he's got to show it all over again. Does Daniel get frustrated? You know, sometimes we want to tell our kids and we have, we have to say him over and over. Sometimes we get frustrated. No, Daniel says, this is another time to express who God is in my life. Doesn't matter if I'm eight years old. Very early the next morning, the king got up and hurried out of the lion's den. When he got there, he called out in anguish, Daniel, servant of the living God, was your God, whom you serve so faithfully, able to rescue you from the lions? Daniel answered, long live the king. My God sent his angel to shut the lions' mouths so they would not hurt me, for I have been found innocent in his sight and have not wronged you, your majesty. The king was overjoyed and ordered that Daniel be lifted from the den. Not a scratch was found on him, for he had trusted in his God. Then the king gave orders to arrest the men who had maliciously accused Daniel. He had them thrown in the lion's den along with their wives and kids. The lions leaped on them and, and tore them apart before they even hit the floor. Then King Darius sent this message to the people of every race and nation. Every race, every nation, and the language throughout the world. Peace and prosperity to you. I decree that everyone throughout my kingdom should tremble with the fear before the God of Daniel. 
Is God positioning our lives for this era, for this time, so that they would tremble and see God's power? I believe God has got more healing power than COVID has of disease to carry. I believe that God has more power to recover our economy than what all of the scenarios of the economy imploding on us. I believe that our God and his promises and his ways are so true. But if we allow what's going on in our community to suppress us, Romans 1 talks about we are not to be suppressed. Do not let the truth of God is. Do not let the divine discontent inside of you to be suppressed. Like a river inside. The Bible says the Holy Spirit is like a river that flows out. It's called dunamis. It's explosive. And it doesn't explode with rage on someone. It doesn't explode with accusations. It doesn't explode with maliciousness. It doesn't explode with some kind of, with some kind of agitation in the flesh. But it explodes with showing who God is. Let's pray. Father, I ask you to help me. I ask that you'd help us as a church. Lord, as a community, Lord, worldwide, that we could express who you are, Father. Father, I pray against the the voice of passivity But Lord, I also pray against the voice of maliciousness. Father, I pray the voice of the Holy Spirit. Lord, and for us that, Lord, that we struggle hearing your voice. God, if you're there struggling hearing God's voice through all the noise, I pray that you could heed his voice right now. I pray that you could kneel and find. God says that he loves you. He says, and all my people, John 10 says, all my people know my voice. My sheep know my voice. Father, I ask that we would be those children, that Lord, we would have like the the wisdom of the sons of Issachar, that Father, that we would not be malicious on the outside, but we would be strong in the Lord on the inside. That God, prophetic words, declarative words would come forth, Father, that we would speak against the elements of this world. Father, we would pray for those who are in rulership over our lives, Father. That, Lord, your hand would be upon their life, Father. And that they would find themselves yielding to you. Lord, like Nebuchadnezzar, Father, even if hardships would come, Father, but they would find themselves, Father, they would find you, God. That we wouldn't want them to rule so their life would be more in ease. But God, we would want them to rule so they would find out who you are. Father, we pray that there would be an awakening across our nation, across this world. There would be a, a refining fire that would come across. And Lord, here we are. Lord, may the church arise. And Father, thank you for allowing the difficulties, the struggles of the hour so that we recognize the power of who you are in our lives. Father, I ask that, Lord, we would disclose, Lord, all of the flesh. Just let go of it. Cast our care on you. And Lord, that we would receive the voice of your love, your mercy, your hope, your power, your anointing. That, Lord, we would press into the high call that's on our life. That this is the hour, Father, that you have awakened us as a people. And as individuals and as a corporate people. That, Lord God, that you want us to gather together so that the fire of God would even get more. Lord, it would even get hotter for you 
and for your plan and design. That we would provoke one another, Lord, throughout the week for those that you give audience to. That we could speak the oracles of God over their lives. Father, Lord, I, I pray that, Lord, that we would resist the passivity, Father, that our culture has toward you. God, I, Lord, I ask for forgiveness, Lord, for the times that we have dethroned you in our hearts, Father. For, Lord, for seeking friendship and relationship, Lord, with, with mankind more than you. It's chaos. And, Father, I pray that, Lord, as we get things back in order, that you are king. We surrender to you as king, as the father of all creation, as the father of our individual lives, as the father and designer of the church, and as the father and designer of, of our culture. We give it to you, God. And we thank you for your word. We thank you for your Holy Spirit direction. We thank you for your plan, the design of the church. If you're right now watching this and you don't know Jesus Christ, as your Lord and Savior. Don't take your next breath right now. I believe the Holy Spirit right now is moving upon your heart. How do you know? It's burning on the inside. You know that there's a, there's a, a chamber inside of your life that, that's empty that can only God can fill that. Only God can fill it. Would you pray with me right now and allow God in your heart so that he would be the king, the father, he would be the God that he is meant to be and designed to be over your life, that he would take over the wheel. Let's surrender together. Let's pray this prayer with me. Say, Father God, in Jesus' name, I surrender my life, that you are king. Lord Jesus, you died on the cross for my past, and I thank you. You paid a price I couldn't pay. I receive your love, your forgiveness, your tomorrows. In Jesus' name, I'm all yours. Amen. You are listening to Life Change Church with Pastor Ron Rands. If this message encourages and inspires you, pass it on to someone else. You can find weekly episodes on iTunes, Spotify, and Google Podcasts under Life Change Church Muskegon. When you share it to your social media, be sure to tag us at Life Change Church. For prayer support and more resources, visit mylifechangechurch.tv. I'm Karma Adams, producer.